This man's legal name is Flavor Flav. Counselor, I'll allow it. Yeah, boy! We're, we're, we're surrounded by super powerful forces. Once they get you in their jails, they can figure out ways to keep you for a long time, Caesar. The workers don't have the votes. It can only be attributable to human error. There are new immigrants in many places. Many of them are not citizens. Most of them don't speak the language. You are now tuned into Fear of a Border Planet. All right, Nelson, let's start with you. Why do you fear a border planet? Uh, my, my fear of a border planet comes from this, I think, kind of preoccupation that I have with a future where our world and our communities have been kind of cut up and divided between the powers that be, you know, the, the corporate fascists and the government officials that they pay for and use as they will to impose their will on we the people and continue to enforce systems that divide and oppress us and, you know, a place especially precarious, various marginalized communities of people of color, LGBTQ, political radicals, etc., etc., um, and cut us up and divide us and use us as they will. Um, right. And eventually, you know, it all just becomes borderlands divided up between Amazon, Google, and yeah. Facebook. Hmm. Or whoever else is, you know, whoever the corporate overlord is at the time. The corporates are, are chopping the people up to divide us, to prevent us from banding together mm-hmm. and creating mm-hmm. power amongst ourselves. Is that what you're getting at? Absolutely. You know, the, the object of, you know, kind of racial heteropatriarchal capitalism continues to be to um, divide the people up, create these borders that really only exist for us and not for them. Because at the end of the day, the borders are really only for those that are being controlled and those who do the controlling move freely and do as they wish. That's the truth. Just the truth. All right, Jami, why do you fear a border planet? Yeah, um, just kind of piggybacking on a lot of what Nelson said, just uh, the uh, the imperialistic nature of of uh, of the life that borders present. Um, and it oftentimes is disproportionately affecting uh, people of color and is kind of used as a mechanism to legitimize what is ultimately racism um, and classism in a lot of a lot of instances um, right. and, and I just know like coming from an immigrant background myself 
uh, how much of how much of uh, a, a barrier borders really do put up. And having spent time in the immigration space, um, it, it's just even strengthened my my belief in that even more. Um, just seeing seeing yeah. families ripped apart and and um, you know just you kind of using the government kind of using policies and um, kind of using policies as a weapon essentially to to undercut and and, and tear down people of color so that's it's absolutely got to end yeah legitimize racism policy mm-hmm. is a weapon 100% true ramis why do you fear a border planet well for me it's the fact that borders are just so ubiquitous and pervasive and I'm not just talking about the fact that borders are everywhere. I think we all know that. We see national borders, state borders, county borders, city borders, and all that. But it's the fact that borders just regulate everything in existence. It's not just people going from country to country. Mm-hmm. It's things, you know, trade, goods that go from, from place to place. It's identities. You know, we all seem to formulate these national and regional identities. And borders have a large part in that. Uh, regulating experiences. If you want to go somewhere, see something, you probably need a visa for that, and not everybody can get that visa. Uh, knowledge, you know, our ability to share knowledge across countries, regulated heavily by patent law, copyright law, the borders that we put in place. And mm-hmm. so that, and you know, in that sense, I guess to borrow a title from my favorite movie of 2022, it feels like borders are everything, everywhere, all at once. <laughs> oh, yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, for me, it's, you know, the the perverse idea that borders have taken up in, you know, the minds of modern Americans and modern people everywhere, that borders are supposed to be this impermeable wall behind which we can be safe in our wealth, in our, in our race, in our homogeneity, uh, Really, I mean, if you go back in time, all a border was nothing more than, you know, a, a line where one mud farm ended and the other mud farm began and one, you know, lead-poisoned em- emperor claimed ownership of one side and another inbred king claimed ownership of the other side. Uh, but, even, you know, even up until the early 20th century, you know, after we, the U.S., had booted, you know, had claimed all this territory that was once Mexico, and not without booting people, that's true, but just moving in, you know, our, you know, white, you know, cowboys. Just moving in. Uh, just moving in, yeah. Hi, I live here now. Yeah, move, move your shit away. No, um, even after all that, you know, the border was still mostly just, you know, one ranch was Mexico, the other ranch was the U.S. It's not until the explosion of uh, racism and, and racial control of, of space that we see in the early 20th century that borders take on this new modern meaning of a regulated, militarized zone where we can, 
use this idea of what defines a nation to exclude certain undesirable categories of people from that nation by force, where borders become a space for racial segregation, disability segregation, uh, and, and become a way to literally carry, ab carry about eugenics and genocide in a way that we continue to justify to this day, even while we say that eugenics and genocide are, should be things of the past, should be consigned to the ash heap of history. Our country that claims to have these high morals, at the same time, silently tells us, or not so silently tells us, that we need to continue committing these atrocities at our borders in order to maintain our civilized way of life and what's worse is that they're trying to spread this border space over the entire territory of the country like horrible disgusting peanut butter from the crusts across the whole slice of bread yuck sounds like a disgusting sandwich mm -hmm. <laughs> disgusting sandwich I agree no, I, I think yeah, you're right. Yeah, and it's interesting how we see, too, these ideas internalized and um, these ideologies yeah. spread within our own peoples and our own communities, you know? The, you know, we mentioned the conquest of a lot of Mexican land by the U.S. We're still waiting, Whitey, Whitey for that back, by the way, so just saying, Carrie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... You know, and once that land was taken over and became the United States, then this the idea of La Reconquista started, you know, spreading amongst Mexican communities of this idea of taking back the land that used to be Mexico. And over time, oh, sure. you know, like today, a lot of people consider it like, you know, La Reconquista, like it's a dirty word, like it's bad, you know, like that's why would we want to have, like, why would we want to get the land back that was taken from us and, like, redistributed uh, to to in foreign invaders, you know? And, like, people yeah, who came in. Yeah, rabble-rousing, Nelson. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> one day, one day we'll get ourselves together, but uh, we're not quite ready for Absolutely. La Conquista yet. But, but Nelson, you know that the real Reconquista is illegal immigration of American and Canadian <laughs> retirees to Mexico. Taking over Boca Raton. Yeah, all the little that's, spots. That's right, that's right. All right, Ramos, why don't you give us a, a little intro as to why we're here and, and what we're doing here on Fear of a Border Planet? Yeah, sure. So... What we're doing here, so this is a podcast about human rights, it's about social justice, about just how terrible the law is. You know, we're going to talk about that mostly, not exclusively, but mostly through the lens of immigration, through the lens of borders. But this is also going to be a podcast about stuff that we like, stuff that we think is cool, mostly, again, not exclusively, but mostly rap and hip-hop culture. Of course. And so this podcast is called... Fear of a Border Planet. 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 That's right. Do you fear it? 
you should. <laughs> to kind of add on to what Ramis was saying, I, I mean, <clears throat> I think what's going to be really cool about this project is just like being able to um, kind of interweave all of the all of the many like interests and topics with that kind of larger uh, larger topic of immigration and and uh, yeah. our our critique of of yeah. the of the border system. Um, I think it'll be really cool to see yeah. how these topics kind of interplay with each other, and all through a radical hip hop lens. Mm-hmm. It all it will all tie together. Like the the <laughs> passive listener may think that you know immigration, social justice, and you know hip hop and our little preferred corners of pop culture these things are different but the overlap is there i mean it starts with you know deported rappers we've got or rappers in deportation proceedings i should say it's a long list but the the overlaps will go far beyond that they tried to get 21 21's in they tried I, they it, did his proceedings end is he you still know i have no idea proceedings? or is he st- I have no idea. He's still putting out music, so I, think I don't know. Weird. I think they filed like a First he Amendment might. challenge to his uh, to his removal because he was targeted because of his speech. They did, yeah. Well, it, it he dropped the music video for a lot, and it includes a line that isn't included in like the most single versions of the album version. But the music, like the music video version, is different verse slightly. And it talks about, I can't imagine being a family getting separated at the border. Uh-huh. And then, who comes knocking like three days later after the video drops? Our favorite agency? Is it asking... <laughs> immigration and customs enforcement? Is it them? Sure was. Our favorite guys. Asking, <laughs> hey, you're you're not really supposed to be here. Hey, did someone talk about and abolishing is... that agency? Oh, I feel like somebody right. should talk about it. Yeah, somebody should get around to that. Yeah. Sounds like a pretty good idea. Maybe we should talk about it. Maybe, maybe we should <laughs> talk about it. And then one of these days we'll get around to Slick Rick. You know, mm-hmm. everyone's mm-hmm. favorite 90s eye-patched rapper who was deported to the UK. Mm-hmm. And then they wouldn't let Doom back in either. MF Doom, yeah. He was here mm-hmm. from a young age. And I think he tried to... I heard somewhere that he tried to get in on the registry, which is like if you've been here since 72, you can, and prove a few other things, you can get a green card. And he got rejected because of some criminal history. Mm-hmm. Don't quote me on that. Mm-hmm. I need to research that a little further to be continued on a future episode. But anyway, yes. we were going to talk about who we are, not just deported rappers, which includes <laughs> none of us. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Right. Makes makes mistake coming problem. soon. Look out. <laughs> <laughs> yo, 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 this is Nelson the Mayan, aka El Comandante de Cuscarlan, aka Radio Ramon, aka the Cannabis Kami. Uh coming to you from Epsilani, Michigan, broadcasting right. you wonderful folks. Um coming from a Salvadoran immigrant family. This is a uh, important topic for me. You know, something that I've grew up, grown up around, and grown up in. You know, with the immigration system and seeing people go in and out of it my whole life. So, 
Um, you know, it always hits me where I live, these border discussions, and I that's makes them really important. Side plug, you can also oh, yeah. listen to Crate Diggers <laughs> Delight every Friday for all the best in underground hip-hop, 5 to 7 on AM 17. This is a busy man. This is, uh, you know, immigration paralegal extraordinaire by day and uh, radio hip-hop host by night. Radio hip-hop host by evening, podcast (laughs) host by night. And podcast host by night. Just keeps going. I think this is like my third or fourth podcast crew. So So you're saying we're not special. (laughs) Happy to be no, I'm saying this is the one that's really going to take off. <laughs> I, have, I have always you can knew my your fake time. tits would get me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. That's what did it. Johnny, you, that's you're why next. I said yes to joining. Yeah, what's up, everybody? Um, it's your boy, Jami, a.k.a. Uh, still kind of... Still trying to develop, like, a good... A few good a.k.a.s. I, I'm not quite like Nelson yet, but... The AKAs are coming for sure. If you, you know, yeah, uh, I don't, I don't want to sit here and just give myself a nickname. I, I kind of want it to happen organically, but you know, um, okay. there will be a moment. It'll, it'll hit us yeah. like, a, like a lightning bolt. You'll say something. I, the, the, <laughs> the jumpster. The jumpster. Yeah, yeah that was be that better was, than that. That was like my first yeah, email I when I was like seven years old. But uh, um, jumpster sixty nine at MSN. yeah yeah. <laughs> Oh man, uh, but yeah, it's your boy Jami coming to you live from great city of Washington D.C., formerly Michigan, but I mean I'm pretty much worldwide at this point. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see here. I'm an attorney. I'm not going to tell you where, but you know, um, I'm an attorney, and I'm excited. I'm excited to get the ball rolling and get into some get into some topics with you guys. Um, anything else important? I don't know. I, I love hip hop. Love hip hop. So I'm excited to kind of uh, excited to be amongst people that that also say, share that same joy and and kind of take some of these topics head on from that from that uh, mindset um, with that with hip, with hip hop in the backdrop of, of these topics. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's me. right. And this, I think this whole idea got kicked off after you know Jami Nelson and I used to work together at a undisclosed immigration nonprofit in an undisclosed <laughs> upper midwest state and uh, we just started talking about hip hop at some of our happy hours and here we are man those, Ramos, those were you the did days not... those were the days yeah Ramos, you worked at a different mm-hmm. undisclosed uh nonprofit but not far off why don't you talk about yourself yeah i'm i'm kind of the guy who snuck into this group uh, all these guys used to work together, and, and somehow I found myself uh, on this podcast too. So I'm Ramos Madud. I'm reporting from Detroit, Michigan, uh, greatest city on the face of this country that we call a country because of borders. Um, I, uh, I'm a civil rights attorney focusing mostly on immigrant rights, which is where my immigration law nerd comes from. Um, but I would consider myself a hip hop nerd first and foremost. Um, I guess the podcast people can't see this, but behind me I have posters of, oh, yeah. it, let's see, we got Meth and Chef, we got MF Doom, we got Saba, we got Beastie Boys, Eminem, Jay-Z, 
Um, so I'll, I'll try to keep up on the immigration law stuff, but, um, but I'll definitely bring it for the hip-hop stuff. You're surrounded and by the goats. bars, too. I don't know if we're going to hear any Ramos bars on the pod, but, you know, it might be the only music that we actually have the rights to. <laughs> you don't know that yet. You don't know how much I charge. <laughs> yeah, I, I shouldn't presume. Damn. Right. It will. Pu- public Enemy might be cheaper at this point. <laughs> Just yeah, hopefully, hopefully some new music comes in. Uh, speaking I guess of, speaking of what me. we'll get into. Oh, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Carrie. Oh, ahead. oh, you're just gonna. <laughs> okay, I mean, you'll hear me blab enough. I don't. Yeah, I'll keep it brief. <laughs> no, uh, no, no. Do do no, your go. intro. Do your intro. The white wizard approaches. That's me, Carrie, the white wizard of <laughs> Southeast Michigan immigration law specifically immigration consequences of criminal conduct law there's really a a very very narrow pool of which i can call myself the white wizard but i'm gonna do it however narrow that (laughs) pool needs to be i am the white wizard of it Uh, (laughs) live in ann arbor lived here in michigan about six years planning on sticking around because i love it here used to work in immigration law uh, has have been involved in immigrant rights movements one way or another since about 2014 when I was back in college uh, doing uh, work with you know, migrant dairy farm workers in the state of Vermont, worked with, you know, uh, workers in, out in New York City and Denver, where I'm from, and done a lot of different uh, stuff with the movement here in Michigan. Uh, but now no longer working directly in immigrant rights. Uh, I'm working as a public defender in the city of Detroit for um, uh, an undisclosed organization, but I basically gave you the criteria to narrow it down. <laughs> also, I'll, my name is Kerry Martin. You can find <laughs> us all on Twitter. All the information is there. But still the slightest veneer of privacy because right, right. we are not speaking for our employers. Uh, I am really excited to get together with this group and talk about uh, some fun and not-so-fun things. Because that, that's why we're going to talk about the fun things, because some of this stuff some of this stuff is heavy. And we don't want to shy away from the heaviness of the, the issues that we're dealing with, the, the literal torture that our country that we fund with our freaking taxpayer dollars inflicts on the world population. But because we don't want to shy away from the heaviness, we got to keep it light at the end too. So we'll, we'll, we'll be getting to some lighter stuff. Um, you know, uh, do you want to talk about, uh, kind of the structure that we're going to have for these episodes and some of the episode ideas we might have coming up? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, this pod, um, you can expect a lot, but, uh, for the most part, we're going to be releasing about, uh, monthly episodes, each episode covering a topic related to immigrant rights or falling under that social justice umbrella, um, mixed in with a little bit of some of our favorite, <clears throat> some of our other favorite things such as, uh, you know, favorite artists, um, albums, movies, you name it. Um, so again, you know, we're going to, we're going to weave the, uh, weave the extracurriculars into kind of the main focal point of this pod. And, and that's, mm-hmm. 
that's the immigrant rights and uh, social justice uh, topics as a whole. Um, we've got some interesting episodes uh, that, that we've got in the vault. You know, I won't reveal too much, but, uh, you know, maybe maybe talking about ICE and uh, Akon locked up. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, think, <laughs> I think if you stay tuned to the next one, you'll hear Ice Akon. <laughs> That's what I'm feeling. And you'll hear Jami performing Locked Up. Right. The full <laughs> song. Jami performing Locked Up by Akon. Yeah. And you'll hear so, a, a full Akon roasting Akon. of Akon City, Senegal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're going we're gonna to get into it. Um, But, you know. The Forgotten Refugees plus the Fujis. I like that one. I, that that's, that was creative. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. Wanks to Immigration Courts, 50 Cent, Get Rich or Die Trying, which is one of my favorite albums, by the way. Probably, maybe my favorite album of all time. Um, I think when we do Get Rich or Die Trying, I mean, because it, it's, it's one of the greats, I think we also got to watch the movie, too. So mm-hmm. we can do album and movie. Al- album, movie. Okay, okay. I'm down. I'm down for that. Mm. I haven't seen that in a while. But yeah, Nelson yeah, definitely, definitely one of my favorite. That uh, try. Well, one of one of my favorite. <laughs> this albums is a total, there. total tangent. But I remember. So when you go to Pakistan, you can buy pirated movies for like fifty cents. Oh yeah. <laughs> and for some reason, there was this one spot that was selling Get Rich or Die Trying. For like fifty Four cents, 50 and I cent. bought like five <laughs> or six cents. of them. <laughs> and I would sell That's these like at school for like two bucks and make like what four hundred percent profit. <laughs> but thanks, thanks fifty oh, cent for man. for that money. Can't live up to that, yo Nelson. Wh- why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, the name of the pod too, and then we'll. Well, you know, the title of this particular podcast, Fear of a Border Planet, is an homage to, of course, the one and only, the seminal hip-hop figures, Public Enemy, with their canonical rap album, Fear of a Black Planet. That's right. You know, one of the most iconic albums that you'll ever find in the culture of hip-hop. Uh, and it's also a reflection of, you know, the perspective of the show's hosts, namely, of course, our deep skepticism of borders, immigration enforcement, nationalism, etc., etc. And before we get to the fun stuff, which is talking about public enemy, maybe uh, we want to touch on one of the more heavier things in light with our, in line with our theme uh, before we uh, cleanse our palates. And that's, you know, some... Some breaking news in the immigration world out of the Biden administration, uh, our our lords and saviors from the Biden administration, who, you know, some of the uh, historic champions of human rights uh, never trampled on a human right in their uh, three years here. <laughs> uh, two, two years. Feels like three years. Well, that's clearly not true. And uh, anyone in the immigration world knows that uh, the latest announcement is meant to sound like good news, but is really, you know, uh, a kick in the you-know-where for uh, people's right to seek refuge in the good old U.S. of A. Uh, The latest policy at the border, uh, the Biden administration says it's going to start paroling in a maximum of of 30,000 migrants from various countries uh, going forward. But you have to 
apply in this specific way. You have to have a sponsor in the U.S. You have to not have already come into Mexico or tried to get into the U.S. You have to have a passport. It's a shopping list of requirements that most people who are fleeing violence, persecution, poverty, what have you, are not going to be able to check off. And uh, all of these people who don't fall into this category are just going to be summarily expelled once they try to get into the country. And the narrow, narrow few who are able to fulfill these requirements are going to be the ones who are paroled in and, you know, granted by the grace of Biden the right to their right that they should have to begin with to seek asylum in the U.S. Well, this is just straight from the Trump Stephen Miller playbook. Uh, it's lipstick on a pig uh, out of this administration. Uh, I would love to, you know, not speak for the group and hear what you guys think about this. Yeah. Just to, and and just it's like classic some, uh, neoliberalism. Yeah, and just a quick, you know, background for for the folks who are new to kind of this asylum world. Yeah. This is, you know, asylum is something that not only by American law but by international agreement if you if you make it to the US border, you have a right to to seek asylum. And you have you have a right to you That's know, right. make your case to the US government that they should protect you from being sent back to the place you're fleeing from. And so the fact that all these arbitrary walls are being put in place you know it may not be trump's physical border wall but it's a wall nonetheless it's a border nonetheless the fact that these walls are being put up is just not only stripping people from safety but stripping people from a, a right that they've had for you know the last 60 70 years at least and in many ways it's more effective than you know just trump building a big stupid wall Right. Like the fact that you can you don't have to build borders anymore with a giant slab of concrete or, you know, a moat with armed guards like we can do it with policy and regulation, surveillance and, you know, an ever encroaching culture of bureaucracy added onto mm-hmm. You know, levels of bureaucracy added onto something that's a basic fundamental human right. That's exactly right. And it because it's less visible, it's easier for Biden to, you know, get that through. He doesn't... It's a lot... Ultimately a lot more effective to not be Trump and be very loud-mouthed. Not to say that Trump wasn't awful. Let's be very clear. That was really bad. But it's not like it's really changed that much. Just sort of surface level cosmetics. I was just going to say, like, something like this comes out and, um, you know, do people, do you guys, like, you know, I I I think the issue, one of the main issues with Trump was, like Nelson said, him being so loudmouth about, about these topics, but... You know, it's almost like the, you know, you you rather have the enemy that you know, you know, I mean, with and Biden kind of in in some form or fashion expanding on these policies, like, it, it's just as bad. Like, how, how do you guys feel about, you know, the comparisons? 
right. It's one thing to be just overtly racist and xenophobic and, you know, barbaric towards people who you consider the other or undesirables and to just wear that on your sleeve. It's another thing to basically do the exact same thing and tell people that you're not doing it. Yeah. And this is what we years of watching this issue and watching, you know, American administrations have shown that there is no political party that has the right of the migrant in mind. And I, you know, you could say this about pretty much any group that's been historically shafted in this country. There's no, there's no political party that really has the right of the poor person in mind, of the accused criminal in mind, of the, the maybe the elderly. I, uh, let's leave the oldies out of this because <laughs> they, they're sometimes paid a little too much mind here and that's why uh, we have some of the politics that we have no there's you're talking about the difference between i'm going to say it out loud and i'm going to do it quietly right but either way it's what it is is population control it's you know racial disability discrimination at the border it's you know like i said before the insidious racism from the 20s of preserving the the white stock of this country both parties are invested in that project it's just a matter of messaging yeah it's really like when it comes to immigration more than a lot of things like there i I don't think there's a such thing as a a liberal or progressive president when it comes to to immigration like it's just a consistently conservative (laughs) position no matter how left or liberal or progressive or democrat the the president is you know every single candidate every single president succumbs to this you know false narrative of a border crisis even you know at at most it's a compromise issue you know here get some take some amnesty but we'll make it harder for the next guy to to come into the country it's you know it's it's never going to be a truly humane policy position for any president it's just the level of spin they have to put on it right. beforehand. That's right. That's right. Well, we'll have, we'll have a lot more to get into as we go forward. But since we've taken this time to set up the pod and give a little news update, I think it's time that we move into the next section here. Uh, talk about some one of our favorite groups. Oh, Nelson, did you want to introduce this uh, this particular snippet I'm about to play? Absolutely. You know we have to fight the powers that be. That's right. Elvis was a hero to most, but he never meant to me. Yes, he's straight out racist. The sucker was simple and plain. Because I'm black and I'm proud. Already. I'm ready. I'm hyped because I'm amped. Most of my heroes don't appear in no stamp. Sample, look that you look at my numbers. You know what that is. That's verse three. Fight the power. Public enemy. Featuring Chuck D, Flava Flav, DJ Terminator X. Uh, was Professor Griff still in the group when they recorded that? I think he was. N- he, no, he wasn't by fear. Oh, by fear they'd kicked um, out Professor Griff for unsavory comments. Because it, it, betu- <laughs> it was between Nation of Millions and Fear of a Black Planet. Because then 
you know, between albums, he had his whole little Kanye moment. Kanye, Kanye before Well, Kanye. let me take a step back for the unacquainted. We're talking about Public Enemy, one of the most iconic hip-hop groups of all time, and one that the hosts here are huge fans of. One, a, a group whose me- fundamental message just, you know, coincides with you know some of the things that drive us as as advocates, as agitators, as disruptors, you know, wannabe entertainers, disruptors. Yeah, that's a good word. Uh, this you know, historic group fe- was formed in 1985, Long Island, New York, by Mr. Chuck D, a, 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 a prophet of of hip hop history, uh, by his. Prophet of, uh, of Rage. Oh yeah, that's that's the name of the documentary about these guys, Prophets of Rage. So yeah, I didn't just pull that out of my ass. Uh, uh, Flava Flav. Everyone knows Flava. Everyone knows his you know clock chain. Iconic. Uh, yeah, boy. Unfortunately, everyone knows. Everyone of our generation grew up in the aughts knows Flava of Love. <laughs> trash MTV uh, MTV show no but the sad part is that a lot of people of our, our age wouldn't even have heard of Chuck D or Public Enemy they've only heard of Flavor of Love uh, but it goes way deeper than that these guys put out four canon albums in a span of four years first album called Yo Bum Rush the Show I, I think I was saying that I want to figure out more ways to use the word, the phrase "bum rush" in my everyday speech. <laughs> yeah, got to do more bum rush. Bum rush. Yeah, I think. I and one of you guys said last time, uh, you know, you're in court and the judge is like, instead of uh, counsel, will you approach counsel? Will you bum rush? <laughs> I like that. Your Honor, mad bum rush. Uh, so I might have to bum rush the the judge tomorrow. Bum rush the bum bench. Bum rush the bench. Yeah, I might have to do it. <laughs> Uh, Carrie, did you next, did uh, you say 1988? Did did you say third verse? Sorry to cut you off. I it, it's just it's kind of mer- yeah that was third verse. It's kind of miraculous these days. Like you don't hardly even get a third verse on a lot of these tracks. <laughs> you don't make it to the third <laughs> verse. That's the truth. You, know, you don't make it to the third verse. It, and it's weird. I heard like I've heard some rappers brag like, "Yo, we don't even need the third verse." Like what? I mean, if the song doesn't need it, but, like, why is it a flex to say that, like, you it's didn't do a third span. verse? Yeah, that's not a flex. Yeah, it's a dying art. <laughs> it's, it really it's is. It's just a random thing to try to Some claim. Some of the deepest lines that we'll probably quote in this show come from deep in these songs. Third mm-hmm. verse, that's where sometimes wisdom is buried. Third verses. Uh, and Unsung. 1988. It takes a million, nation of millions to hold us back. Iconic Public Enemy outcome, uh, album. Sorry. Album. 1990. Fear of a Black Planet. Absolutely iconic, historic, earth-shattering album. Sometimes hard to listen to, but truly awesome. Because you know the, these guys are trying to be grating. They create a wall of sound just, you know, to blast your face off, to offend as many people as possible. It's it's perfect. Uh, finally, uh, uh, 1991, Apocalypse 91, The Enemy Strikes Black. Wait, is it The Enemy Strikes Back or The Enemy Strikes Black? Mm. 
I might have just mistyped that <laughs> as the enemy stripe. I've always just called it Apocalypse ninety one. Apocalypse ninety one. Yeah, Let's I think see. I think I mistyped it. It's the enemy strikes back. Like you know, a la. No, I think you're right. It's the enemy strikes black. Oh, I, never yeah, I, I, I never, never noticed that. I never noticed. I literally noticed that for the first time. Yeah, it is. It's the enemy it strikes is. black. Well, now it's we know. The enemy strikes black, which makes yeah. sense given them. Public Enemy, also known for a lot of collaboration with iconic movie director Spike Lee. Uh, uh, the film "Do the Right Thing" features "Fight the Power" and other Public Enemy songs. Spike Lee brings Public Enemy back to create the score for his later film he got game which stars denzel classic uh as a guy who got out of who's paroled from prison <laughs> to convince his son to join the state basketball team it, it's a it's a ridiculous premise but it's a good movie and the <laughs> the public enemy soundtrack is good paired with uh yeah he, he pairs it with um classical music by iconic American composer Aaron Copeland, which is, you know, just a, a great combo, Chuck and, and Copeland. Uh, but, you know, the thing that I love so much about Public Enemy is, you know, these guys like what we're trying to do. They take this heavy stuff. They're talking about, you know, the the worst the worst forms of racism, neglect, uh, social injustice in their songs, and they're packaging it in this rambunctious, funny, crazy uh, style that they've got. And it's just, uh, I think, a, a good model for anyone who wants to you know, talk about how tough the world can be, but also not, you know, lose the audience to, you know, sadness and somberness right. uh but to, to to rile people up about stuff instead of bring them down mm-hmm. that's all i gotta say well with that <clears throat> i mean I, i'll kind of jump in here um yeah please. fear of a black planet released in 1990 um i was born in 95 so this was definitely in this <laughs> 95 I got 2 years on you. Yeah. So, you know, we we both we both weren't uh weren't born when this was released, but this is, you know, <laughs> they they say this a lot to be said about required reading. I think this album is required listening. Um I went I went back personally, did some homework <clears throat> on this on this album and one thing that I definitely appreciated was just the the revo- revolutionary sound uh, that that these guys were putting out and the the aggressiveness and the ob- obnoxiousness, you know, and just uh, you know, I'm gonna say what I'm gonna say, um, and and I, I always felt like, or I, I feel like they always wrapped with a sense of urgency, you know, like take action, do something now. This is this is the message, and I'm pushing it forward. So that was that's something I, I appreciate about Public Enemy. Um, a lot a lot of rappers. There's some rappers today try to try to go political and um, try to maybe emulate some of the same things, but it, it's just not it's not done it's not done the same way um, that it once was. I mean, we just talked about the, the the whole idea of a third verse, you know, like it just it doesn't doesn't happen anymore. Like attention spans are too short, and 
and everything is kind of just microwave cookie cutter. So it it is it happens, but it's not popular. Yeah, it, it's it's not popular. It's not yeah. pushed. It's not pushed to the mainstream to the masses. Um, this is this is a a tough album. This is uh you know this is a gym album. I, I definitely have listened to this album. A GML. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Listen to this album. I wouldn't know. <laughs> I, oh, this is it, a good it's album. It's a great album for the gym. It pumps you up. Um, so I, I, I did put together a, a tiny little list. This may not necessarily be a greatest hits, um, but just a few of my favorites. Um, you guys can feel free to kind of jump in uh, with yours as well. From from the album, this is just from Fear of just, Black Planet. Just from Fear of Black of a Black Planet. Yeah, uh, yeah. And this is definitely some of the most iconic. Burn, ones. burn, Hollywood, burn. Probably my favorite track on the album. Um, uh, I'll get into some bars from from that from that track later. Um, Fight the power, obviously. It's anthem, iconic. Nine one one is a joke. Just. My uh, favorite. Immac- yeah, that's probably my favorite. Nine one one is a yeah, classic. Just immaculate rapping at a very yep. high level. Going, going, gone. Now I dialed nine one one a long time ago. Don't you see how late they're reacting? They only come and they come when they wanna. So get the more truck and then bomb the corner. They don't care because they stay paid anyway. They treat you like a um, Welcome to the Terror Dome. Again, just <laughs> immaculate. Mm-hmm. Epic and there's a very like a epic track kind of and there's a book about Public Enemy called Inside the Terror Dome, which is just a reference (laughs) to Welcome to the Terror Dome. Mm. But you know, Border Planet Terror Dome, (laughs) pretty much synonymous. That's what we're talking about. We don't want to live in a terror dome, which is pretty much what these fascist freaks are trying to build here. (laughs) That's facts. Terror Dome brought to you by Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did want to. I did want to read a few bars. Um, Please. I don't. Is this Ice Cube's verse? This might be Big Daddy. I think this is Big Daddy Kane's verse. Yeah, Big Daddy Kane is what you have. Um, <clears throat> let's see, as I as I walk this. Which, just to be clear, it's a feature. Big Daddy Kane, not a member of P. Right, but a. A great rapper in his own right. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, that would have been crazy. Um, Sorry, I didn't mean to cut no, you off. No, you're good. You're good. Uh, just the, these bars. Um, as I walked the streets of Hollywood Boulevard, thinking how hard it was to those that starred in the movies, portraying the roles of butlers and maids, slaves and hoes. Many intelligent black men seemed to look uncivilized when on the screen. Like, I guess you figure to play some jigaboo. On the plantation, what else can a nigga do? Black women in this profession, as for playing a lawyer, out the question. For what they play, Aunt Jemima is the perfect term. Even if now she got a perm. So let's make our own movies like Spike Lee, because the roles being offered don't strike me as nothing but a black man could use to earn. Burn, Hollywood, burn. Oh, that whole verse is cool. Yeah. I didn't even know there was the 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 Spike Lee drop in that yeah line, or in that a little verse. foreshadowing from earlier. But I mean, yeah, the I I really I really like these lyrics. Um, obviously, speaking to the the portrayal of uh, people of color, but specifically black people of color in media and films and 
um, just it just kind of makes me think about the evolution of of um, of how black people have been portrayed on TV and you know again slaves butlers the hell poor dirty you know all of all of these negative connotations um, but you know it would be outlandish to see a, a black woman being portrayed as a lawyer in a film you know back in these times so um it's just it's just interesting stuff um the truth. i do i do want to know what you guys think about about this these bars well i i really i love the bar those bars from big daddy kane i also love the fact that pe got uh ice cube to do a verse on this song <laughs> specifically which is like right and then a year later, you know, he goes and um, is is stars in Boys in the Hood. This is a year before Boys in the Hood. Yeah, well, it it was ninety right. for mm-hmm. Fear of Black Planet, yeah. right? Yeah, because yeah, if Fear of Black Planet is ninety, Boys in the Hood is ninety one. So. so right after he's in <laughs> Hollywood, <burning laughs> right after he's going to yeah. star. But I will say this is like it was still pre. Are we there yet? I see. He wa- he wasn't right. so Hollywood. So, that's so very political. <laughs> he wasn't so Hollywood. It's BBF before <laughs> by Felicia af- versus ABF <laughs> after by Felicia. We're about uh, yeah, I think twenty five ABF right now. <laughs> I I like I like the chorus. Uh, you know, burn Hollywood, burn. But like I I guess like after listening to it so many times, I kind of hear it two ways. Sometimes it's like, obviously like the, the, um, you know, I, in, in one sense, it's the burn Hollywood burn, like cheering down on Hollywood's demise. But also I kind of hear it sometimes as burn Hollywood, burn Hollywood, like a call to action. Like let's, let's burn Hollywood. (laughs) Right. Uh, Oh yeah. But, and, Lord knows these guys were not afraid of like violent calls to action. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> not shying away from that. We'll get to that. Yeah, maybe they told Ice Cube to burn Hollywood and he got to Hollywood and he just forgot to burn <laughs> it and he just stayed. <laughs> right. He was like, it's kind of nice here. So this is what the other side of LA looks like. <laughs> yeah, let's 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 talk more about calls to violent action let's talk about that (laughs) so yeah so let's talk about controversies because i think that the marker of any truly good hip-hop group is their ability to generate controversy you know whether they're trying to or not i think that's your ability to offend kind of is at least in the media at least in the public perception kind of defines your your position in the counterculture and i think that's what what hip-hop was so good at doing in the in the 80s and 90s and even in the 70s earlier on. And so Public Enemy was a group that just embraced controversy. They were no stranger to controversy whatsoever. And, and one of the controversies I want to talk about, because uh, it's just a fantastic music video, is their song, By the Time I Get to Arizona. So this is a song that is written so good. in protest of the governor of Arizona who canceled the state's observation of Martin Luther King Day, um, which, you know, in like 2023 is just an absurd, like laughable, like political move. 
Yeah. You know, it, it you know may have been different 30 years ago, but it's still, in any case, just an absurd move. Um, and so this song is written in protest of that, uh, the, the governor's attempt to cancel Martin Luther King Day. And so not only do they put out this song, you know, the song is classic Public Enemy, so in that sense it's not surprising. It's as controversial as Public Enemy is controversial. But this music video, <laughs> that's where the real controversy comes in. So this yeah. this music video uh, kind of recounts uh, or kind of reenacts a lot of you know classic civil rights scenes with fire hoses and uh, you know kind of diner counters. Um, it reenacts the governor announcing that he's canceling Martin Luther King Day. But then as the the music video progresses, um, and you know, and I'll say the music video starts governor no more Martin Luther King Day. Uh, I think it's Sister Soldier who announces they're sending uh, like paramilitary troops to uh, to Arizona. And then as this music video progresses, you see these 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 troops getting closer and closer to uh, to to their purpose, which is to assassinate a bunch of Arizona politicians. Um, and that's how the music video culminates. Um, and it's just a it's it's amazing. I I mean I think like as far as like hip-hop media goes i think it's like almost a perfect snapshot of uh like just the directorial features of hip-hop um and and just the content of kind of just political hip-hop in the in the 80s and 90s it's just an amazing music video but obviously generated a lot of controversy yeah well while we while we don't condone assassinating the governor of arizona if we were to condone it there's pretty much no better way to do it than by the time I get to Arizona. And just for the record, Evan Meekum is the name of this mm, honky governor. Arizona governor who canceled MLK Day. Uh, always with Whitey. So spit on his grave. Yeah, Chuck... <laughs> After Chuck D blew him up with a car bomb. <laughs> oh yeah, because that's the the method of execution in the uh, in the video. Yeah, that's the uh, that's how he goes. The climax of the whole thing when their whole plot comes together. They poison one of the state officials. They take a bunch of them hostage, and then uh, plant a car bomb on the governor's car. <laughs> And this is like a music video that's gonna go up on like MTV or whatever. <laughs> so I pray, I pray every day, I do every shot of makeup. Looking for culture, I got my knife for Jamaica. Pushing and shaking the structure, bringing down a Babylon. Here in the circle, I make it hard for the proud. The hard pull apart, I need it. This got them in, in some serious hot water. Well, I mean, I don't know if they faced legal consequences for it, but I think there was a lot of blowback with the label and you know i in that we mentioned that document great documentary about pe um called prophets of rage and i think that's the moment where one of the commentators says um you know you start to see public enemy have a lot less commercial success at this point and is that really a product of mm -hmm. you know the quality of their music going down i wouldn't say that it's probably more a product of a silencing yeah. by the corporate lack, lack of label support. Mm -hmm. Yep, totally I've seen it totally. before. But the uh, the legacy of the song 
still lives on, thankfully. You know, I just pulled up now and starting to read about um, its resurgence uh, and popularity in times in Arizona when things were getting pretty messed up, you know, for LGBTQ folks, for Latinos being profiled, you know, whenever uh, Arizona has, like, a really terrible law coming on the way, this song <laughs> starts getting played a lot more. Right. I, I wonder if they were playing, by the time I get to Arizona, in the protests for SB 1070, back in, like, 2010, the yeah, Arizona that, Show Me yes, Your Papers that's, law. That is one of the specific incidences that is, um, that comes up. That's, yeah. that's right. Or, um, the, the show who's, me your who's that uh, horrific uh, Maricopa County Sheriff, um, the one who's like 800 yeah, uh, years old. Yeah, Joe, Joe Arpaio. Yeah. Sheriff Joe. Yeah, I think Chuck D wrote a, like an op-ed uh, for SB 1070, basically connecting he the did. dots yeah. Wait, between what? this song and... Uh, How did I not and, find um, this? He did. Let me find it. I was oh, reading it earlier. It was like 2010. Yeah. yeah, but essentially saying, like, this song still applies in 2010, 2011, whatever it was. Tear down that wall. Chuck D was a vocal opponent of te- SB 1070 upon its uh, passage. Oh, man, I knew he was a real one. <laughs> uh, so mm-hmm. that That's Chuck, man. He's he's for real. He really is. Yeah. I'll just, I'll add one more thing since we're talking oh, about uh, the impact that this song had on... on uh, public enemies kind of success after i think like another something adjacent to controversies legal issues and something else i think that public enemy was kind of at the heart and center of is this fight over how copyright laws are supposed to apply to hip-hop music mm, which is a genre yeah. that samples music you know that came earlier whether it's disco whether it's r&b whether it's jazz funk whatever it may be um that samples a lot of music without permission, at least in the early years. And, you know, arguably, I think Public Enemies is kind of this perfect example of um, kind of this postmodern, just raw, uh, like, soundscape of early hip-hop that um, that copyright law totally changed. Um, and I think, you know, there are interviews with Chuck D saying, you know, explaining, like, how a lot of their success and a lot of their sound had to just change because of how many copyright lawsuits they were facing after their first album or two. And so, you know, with the political blowback of this music video, losing support from the label, this onslaught of copyright uh, kind of challenges, you know, the, the this whole system, this industry was just not set up for Public Enemy to succeed. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up. I I hadn't thought of that as legal issue intersecting with public enemy it is true like um the their production Mm -hmm. squad called the bomb squad guy hank shockley like his whole style was this wall of sound which was basically like 10 samples at once from different you know uh, (laughs) 70s 60s 80s what have you albums you know samples from movies and at this early moment in hip hop when that stuff wasn't policed and then the studio bigwigs came in and like, ruined it nope. for everyone and then they did it again a decade mm-hmm. or two later with you know the rise of mixtapes and 
the huge crackdown on mixtapes using other people's beats to put out songs. I mean, it's, yeah, these guys represent kind of an early clash in that, you know, creative versus corporate war that, you know, still takes and place. What a great time, though, the creating borders <laughs> for creativity. That's it. That's it. See the dots. Who, can, who gets to own what? Who gets to use what in their music? Who gets, who gets to profit off of what? Mm. Who gets to profit off of what? Amen. To quote a, a true, you know, a, a true scholar in the hip hop community by the name of Tony <laughs> Yeo. He says, "Quote: I hate all laws. The time that the feds given." And, you know, I think these wise words <laughs> apply to, you know, everything we're trying to get at here. I know Tony Ayo, that's a, wow. he's, Tony he's kind Ayo. of like a Socrates. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes his wisdom <laughs> might go over your head. Yeah, I, I think I saw him <laughs> in a book somewhere time, standing next to Aristotle as well. Yeah, it's a... Yeah, right. <laughs> it's a thinker, that yeah, one. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say. <laughs> Lest you think that public enemy has faded from public view and they're no longer a force in the culture be you wrong because you know their name not only you know continues to ring through the culture and be influential for um what hip-hop is and what it can be um you know, they have proven time and time again that no matter what, they can still make headlines. They do still drop stuff. Like, the latest album was only, a, you know, a bit over two years ago. 2020, yeah. uh, What You Gonna Do When The Grid Goes Down. Yeah, I like that album. And the, yeah, it's a fun album. It's pretty. It's good stuff, you know, and they've got a f- track with, like, That's Cypress fire. Hill and George Clinton all together. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, that... That's great. And then they did uh, a 2020 remix of Fight the Power with features from Nas, Rhapsody, Black Thought, YG, and with some production from Questlove. Uh, Which is, yeah. And that made waves. That one made waves. That was mm-hmm. basically direct George spa- response to George Floyd protests. And, I mean, that's, you know, mm-hmm. there, it's no coincidence that when we get this kind of social upheaval, that's when people start talking about public enemy again. That's when people want to yeah. hear public enemy again. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. So Chuck D, Chuck being one of the other driving forces behind public enemy, um, and arguably one of the biggest, most important voices in hip-hop, period. Uh, He's still very active in the New York radio scene. He's got a few programs on a few different, uh, like, rap stations throughout the city. Um, He's still very involved with the culture, clearly, something that he loves. He's going to be uh, narrating... A four-part docu-series that comes out in a few days, actually. I think when it it starts on, like, the 31st, so like a week. Of January 2023, Uh, for our future listeners. (laughs) 
for yes, whoever is listening to this recording, whenever you may be. Um, but yeah, four part docuseries coming soon. Uh, at the point of this recording, the story of hip hop, which is just like a docuseries tracing like the whole history of the genre and the culture over the past 40 years. Um, is this is this docu series for uh, for like the fiftieth anniversary? Isn't that this year? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of different uh, programs doing stuff like this. Given that uh, hip hop's fiftieth is this year, come August, August is going to be seventy three to twenty three. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking, the story of hip hop with Chuck D. He he helped develop it too, and he's that's yeah, gonna be huge. This is gonna be I mean, I hope it's good. Yeah, I mean, it's hit like of Chuck D kind of. I don't not like a direct directed directed, but kind of influenced and pushed forward, and you know, just kind of goes to show how celebrated and important a voice he remains in the That's culture right. this many years on. Yeah. Well. We love Public Enemy, and if we can be even 5% as rambunctious as these guys, we're doing our job right. Any parting words before we split and get together again sometime soon for episode two? I did, with this uh, being our first episode, um, I did kind of want to take it take it upon myself, uh, i.e., agreement amongst you guys and myself uh to kind of you know come through deliver some facts every so often on these episodes i think that'll be a a cool little segment um so with this being the first one um wanted to throw throw some cool facts out there did you guys know spotify is home to over 3.2 million podcasts 3.2 million (laughs) Like this, oh this space is exploded. It's a lot of competition. Um, a lot of competition. Every four with a right. Every <laughs> including yeah, us, one in including every us, Americans. Um, there's over four million podcasts registered worldwide. Uh, hey, but there's only one <laughs> fear of a border planet. Exactly, of a border planet. Uh, actually. <laughs> yeah, if there's four million, yeah, I don't can, know. can we buy the domain? Like, can we uh, can we get it trademarked? While uh, working on it, working on it. Hey, here's the good thing though: since we're playing unlicensed music, we're not even competing with all these Spotify podcasts. You know, we can't That's even right. get on Spotify. <laughs> like, we're we're yeah. the mixtape. Who needs we're, them? We're gonna fly under we're the, the radar with we're the backpackers. Copyright. We're starting the underground podcast game that's right i love it we are the the 50 cent <laughs> little lane of podcasting yeah this podcast will actually not be available for streaming uh but only for sale on burn <laughs> cds out of the back of my truck we're selling for a thousand dollars a piece <laughs> salute to Nip- nipsey hustle well those are some harrowing stats and make us feel even less special <laughs> than we deserve to feel but 
I'm, I'd say we press forward, guys, and I think I think we got something going here. And you know, mm-hmm. our listeners, please forgive us for any roughness of our first take, but please stick with us because I think there's going to be a lot of lot of fun ahead, and a lot of information ahead too. Knowledge is power. Peace out. Tear down those borders. You just heard an episode of Fear of a Border Planet. A podcast written, produced, and edited by the hosts, Jami, Carey, Nelson, and Ramis. Please subscribe to Fear of a Border Planet on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Also, check out our Fear of a Border Planet playlist on Apple and Spotify, so you too can listen to the music discussed on the pod. Fear of a Border Planet does not own the rights to any music featured here, so if you're a studio bigwig who does own the rights, and you believe our inclusion of the music is not fair use, please send us a politely worded cease and desist. As always, the views expressed in this pod are solely those of the hosts and our agreeable listeners, not any of our employers or the feds. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. Catch you later.